Hi, I'm Conor Gormley, and you're listening to the Pelador Podcast. Welcome back again to the Pelador Podcast. Great to be back for a third series and right on time for an All-Ireland Final. Ross Trainer again has joined me for this series. Hello, Ross. How are you? How are you, Michael? I'm very good. I'm not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, obviously... I know you're going to ask me straight away, so I'm going to get there in front before you, <laughs> about the Jack O'Connor news. Well, yeah, it's, it's uh, fresh, fresh off the press. Fresh news. What's, uh, as a Kildare man, um, what, are your, what are your initial thoughts when you heard the news? Not surprised at all. Absolutely not surprised. I mean, everyone in the media saw last week the Irish Examiner podcast Jack was on, um, and he, he was basically just saying, give me the job, wasn't he? He was calling the Kerry County Board out. It wasn't great. Uh, fairly bad form, in my opinion. Uh, and I think really Kildare County Board could have acted quicker after that and um, not given Jack a choice about what he was going to do and got rid of him. But I never never was saw that happening either. I don't think uh, that is in Kildare's uh, nature or have they ever done something like that in the past. But um, I think really it's best for everyone if he's gone now considering he doesn't even want to be there by the looks of it. Okay, fair assessment. But where do you think, has he made progress? Have Kildare made progress under Jack Connor? Well, you can't really argue. He probably hit his goal this year. Uh, Division 1 football, that was what we needed to get to. Um, we got a championship, we, we, we beat Offaly. Probably didn't play that well. Uh, Westmead, probably lucky to win the game, considering Westmead had uh, 11, 12 boys, if I can remember correctly. Um, you're, you're sort of looking at relying on the sort, the sort of the marquee forwards. Daniel Flynn, Neil Flynn really got killed there out of jail that day and at the Offaly game. Um. You know, the Leinster final was disappointing. I mean, you were at it. Kildare kind of didn't go for it. Like They were happy They were happy enough to sit back and uh, take the uh, the eight or nine point defeat. And everyone was thinking, oh, progress here. They've only lost by eight or nine. Um, but knowing how Dublin went on after that, really, they, in hindsight, I don't know, it was a wonderful thing. They definitely could have got at them more. What do you think? Do you think they made progress? Well, Division One football is very important. Uh, any team... We'll tell you that that to be playing against the the top four five six club or teams in the country is essential to progress and to be honest it's where Kildare have flirted with in the last number of years they wouldn't even be considered a yo-yo team because they haven't been up enough really so I think division one football is progress um definitely championship wise they probably never set out their stall to win Leinster and maybe I'm being disingenuous there as a jack but Dublin have always been the kingpin or been the kingpins for the last decade or so. Uh, have they made progress? I would say... Well, they reached the goals this year. I mean, what else were they going to do? They got Division 1. I mean, performance-wise, yeah, arguably, it, it didn't look great. It, it Considering how Mead went at them even for a little bit, and I think that was completely overhyped as well, that, oh, Mead had a good little spell. Uh, but they obviously they attacked more than Kildare did, and Mayo absolutely blitzed them there in the second half, so... Yeah, performance-wise, probably not up to scratch, but it's, we're saying that with hindsight, considering we saw how Dublin went against Mayo. Like. Yeah, well, you're closer to the action, though. Has he brought on any players? Yeah. Has he built but a so squad? No, it's, and he's, in fairness, I would, I would admit that, and he said that in his um, sort of departing letter today, that you know he's changed the whole squad. It's a very young squad now. The core of it now is the under-20 team that beat Mayo, I think it was 2018. Um, but, again... I still don't know how good these lads are that have come in yet. They're a younger profile. You would hope that they're going to be 
Um, I mean, a bit of All Ireland winning experience would be brought to the table, but I mean, now there's talk that Davy Burke, who was the manager, that's that that team is going to probably take the job over. Um, what about Davy Fitz? Give Davy Fitz the job. The <laughs> Davy Fitz bounce. He's a he, <laughs> he's applied for every job in the country by the sounds of it at this stage. Uh, yeah. I mean, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? It really it it, it has to be seen over the next couple of years. Yeah, you probably you started something, but the Kildare need to kick on. But look, you know we've had this conversation enough times with Kildare. Yeah, um, we have, but like there there seems to be other managers around that aren't being considered. If I look at even. Well, Glenn Ryan obviously no, had assistant management. No, no, <laughs> no way, Jose. Anthony Rainbow. Rainbow. Anthony Rainbow has done well, and Bally Bowden, as you know ourselves. Um, it'd be interesting. I, I, I think it, this is his last year at Bally Bowden as well, so, um, it might work in his favour that he can go from one job to the next. If that's his intention, if he wants to take the county job over, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's happy with the, uh, the kind of club environment. But uh, obviously there's Tom Cribben, who was the old Westmead manager. He's in under Jack O'Connor. As a selector, um, I think he's the early favourite for the job. I think giving him the job is sort of, you know, much of the same. Um, as in like you know, comparison to like Glenn Ryan, they're all very similar standard. Now Tom Cribben has a a track record of actually being quite defensive, um, and that's probably where that came from this year with Kildare in the final. Um, we was in two finals of Westmead, and Tom Cribben just completely set up shop. Uh, to defend in those games, and I don't think that's really suits Kildare's football, considering some of the forwards they do have. You know, obviously, the two Flynn's I mentioned, uh, Ben McCormick, who didn't play great in the final, but he, he has a lot of ability. Uh, lads like that, Jimmy Highland, of course, really top forward, in my opinion. Uh, I think someone like Davy Burke, who is more of an attacking manager, did has done a good job at Wicklow. He um he, he got Wicklow promoted. Uh, obviously, Championship didn't really go to what they wanted, but I would be good. I'd be looking at a profile of a young, innovative manager like Davy Burke. He's hungry for the job. I know on a couple of occasions that he's gone for it. He was, he's quite disappointed he didn't get it. Um, after after Keane O'Neill left, uh, when Jack O'Connor got it, I think that he was sort of pissed off that he didn't. Uh, it wasn't really considered for the job. Um, but thinking that he left Wicklow this year, Jack was left. I wonder did Davy have a bit of a hint that, that uh that Kildare job might be coming up. Uh, so it's interesting to see I'm sure over the next few weeks when we, we start getting back into these pods that we'll be talking more about it um, but yeah I'm, I'm not surprised Jack O'Connor's gone and by the sounds of it he, he wants that Kerry job and it's probably going to come available by the looks of it yeah and you'd have to feel almost sorry for Peter Kane that look it looks like that that the door is opening now it's brutal isn't it it is <laughs> right, like it, he's is, in the job, like, it <laughs> is brutal now you could have looked at it to play devil's advocate here you could actually say that Look, Kildare heard that podcast last week and said, look, Jack, that's the end of it. It might have been Jack's doing. Kildare might have actually done it themselves. And I know there's been probably talk over many decades, going back to the Kieran McGinney uh, era, that the Kildare County Board has been levelled at and a bit spineless at times. But maybe for once they have taken action, decisive action, and just cut Jack because his heart's not in it without maybe having a succession plan of their own, which is, is, is a big thing. Yeah. But, on the other hand, Jack might have made waves down in Kerry and the Kerry County Board might have come and knocking and Jack just said, that's it. I suppose we'll never know, but... It's all very coincidental. <laughs> I yes. wonder if Kerry won that All-Ireland semi-final when we be having this conversation <laughs> now. I would say we would definitely not be having yeah, it. And I'd so say Jack right. O'Connor would still be the manager, but look, who are we to know? But um, speaking of Crow Park and finals... Um, 
I'd like to mention obviously the women's finals were or the ladies finals were yesterday. Great wins for Wicklow over Antrim, uh, in the junior Westmead over Wexford in the intermediate, and you're in yourself at the Mead and Dublin game. Uh, some performance. What do you think? Unbelievable. I have to say it was actually a great atmosphere in Crow Park yesterday. Um, the Mead fans came out in their droves and they, they really got behind the team and the whole occasion. Like and I. I was so surprised, I think. I mean, obviously, the, the narrative going into the final was Dublin going for five in a row here. I think everyone thought, you know, Mead's intermediate team last year just come up to senior. Um, they're just there really to, 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 to play the match, not really win the game. And I think they were completely written off, which I don't know, did that, that, that give Mead a bit of an extra boost. But you have to say, like, the, the, from what I saw there, they were really well drilled, their manager had them really set up. They had a great strategy for kickouts. They all kind of hold on in the centre line up to midfield. Burst out. Dublin seemed to be kind of shell-shocked of the standard Mead were playing to and the, and the fitness levels. Mead were driving forward, kind of counter-attack football. Um, they had a couple of their wing-backs were unbelievable there today and obviously their, their full forward, Emma Duggan, uh, lobbed the keeper, which I'm still not sure. What did he do? she do it on purpose or not? Have you seen the goal? I have and she. I heard an interview with her and she said, yeah, she knew that... Kira Trant will come off her line for obviously, but she comes off her line to take the kickers. But she knew there was an opportunity there, so she's claiming that she meant it. Fair credit to her. Like I, you see it out. You look, it looks like she's shooting for a point. Like you know the way she, she lines shaped, it, yeah, yeah she shaped. shaped it up. Like it looked like a point, but what a goal! Uh, and she was she was unbelievable she's yesterday. Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. she's really really good. But it's great to see. Like I mean, it's great to see that, you know, even in the men's game, Dublin, you know, the dominance is kind of over now, and you can see the enthusiasm that it's bringing to other counties when they're winning. I mean, the scenes when Mead got off the bus there in the hotel yesterday, fans everywhere, like, it, it's great to see, no matter what the sport is, you have to give credit to them for that. Yeah, it's always nice when the dominance of any team is broken. Um, it's just, it gives a lift to everyone else. They can see that there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, um, but also puts an end to uh, splitting Dublin 2 talk which is absolutely yeah. fantastic we're going to need new topics for the podcast now. I don't know what we're going to talk about <laughs> we'll talk about championship, championship structures, structures we'll leave that <laughs> we'll leave that fuck off <laughs> right well look um, we've Gary Brennan coming up to talk yeah. uh, all things All-Ireland final but Good I suppose chance. we can talk quickly or briefly about the, the semi-finals um, don't need to go on too much about them. I think a lot has been spoken about them, but I suppose in chronological order, Dublin versus Mayo. Um, Dublin were seven points up at one stage. They were 10-3 up. They were six points up then at half time. And all seemed to be going to, to script and to plan. But then the plan failed. Um, yeah. Now look, hindsight is great. Um... But it hasn't been clicking for Dublin all year. Let's be honest about it. They played in fits and starts. Um, in every single game they played, all the way through the Leinster Championship, uh, and particularly, obviously, against Mayo. There's no one thing you can point to. There's definitely no one thing. There's a lot of little things, I would imagine. Um, the Desi Farrell thing, training during COVID, I don't think that was needed. I, Do you think that really impacted the whole squad, though? I'm saying there's a lot of little things. Yeah. Like, stuff like... The lads were still up on social media, which under the Jim Gavin area. And look, it's not, it's not fair to compare areas because you want a new manager to come in and put his own stamp on things. And that's a, like, you can't have, you can't repeat the same things, expect the same results. Or, like Dublin were going to be coming back to the pack, obviously, particularly yeah. with the amount of retirements they had. The amount mm-hmm. of medals I walk out of that dressing room. Like Cluxton was a massive one. We always knew as Dublin supporters that once Cluxton went, 
regardless of when it was, it was going to be absolutely huge and it proved to be the case. But stuff like unfor- unforeseen ones, like maybe Keanu Sullivan obviously wanted to play another year. Mm-hmm. His body let him down. Um, Paddy Andrews maybe retired a year too early, but by God, he put in a shift with the county. He'd done 12 or 13 years mm-hmm. and owed nothing. Eric Lowndes is probably a funny one for me. Um, he'd been with the county for, I think he has six, if not seven, All-Ireland medals. Um, but last season, he probably would have saw his opportunity with Jack McCaffrey stepping away and Keanu Sullivan being injured. Mm-hmm. And then Robbie McDay came in and he still wasn't getting game time. So I can fully understand why he decided to step away. But that's more experience of guys who've been there, been a training. And even like say the, the standard of training can't have been the same. So like I said, there's a lot of little things adding up. There's no way, like, there was a, there's a famous thing of the A versus B game. I think it was pre-2017 or 2018, uh, All-Ireland, uh, where the likes of Bernard Brogan, Kev Mack, Owen O'Gara, okay. Dermot Connolly were all in the, the seconds teams. Like, you can't replicate that quality, so therefore you can't replicate that training. Um, a lot of little things. Do I think it's the end of the road for this team? No, I think they're still going to be there. I still think they're going to be semi-finalists minimum next year. But... And I think it all depends on what happens the end of this year. Like, there's still, now, as we've spoken about, what's going to happen with Kerry, with our management. Do they have any players to bring on? I was listening to uh, Daryl Canada, and he was pretty much saying that that's the best what's in Kerry at the moment. And obviously, it's a fabulous team. It's a fabulous squad. And maybe Tackley was only kicking a ball in it uh, last week. Um, Tyrone or Mayo, whoever wins uh, on Saturday... I can't see them doing back-to-back uh, because I think they're going to party the house down whoever wins it and fair play to them. And the, whoever gets their fourth All-Ireland is going to richly deserve it because they would have done it the hard way because neither of them were, fa- were favourites. Um, Especially with the whole COVID thing for Toronto. Massive. Massive as well. You know, yeah. um, we won't so open that kind of worms. We won't open that kind of worms. <laughs> that could be for hindsight as well in the, uh, next week. But where Dublin are, <coughs> I think they're going to remain in the top four. Uh, but it remains to be seen <coughs> excuse me what's coming through the under 20s and minors haven't been fabulous or shooting the lights out the last couple of years is there one or two players there that we, we, we can take from I don't know from what I've seen I'm not sure but I love being proved wrong when it comes to that what do you think yourself I it's a, it's a natural ending of a, a pan like you're saying this, this team I think this team mm. is over now this is a new squad it was probably a news. This is the first year, arguably, of Desi's reign. I know he won the All Ireland last year, but he probably didn't change much considering COVID and everything going on. There was a lot of the same boys around, and I think that probably actually went in his favor. I think maybe if if you know the pandemic hadn't happened, maybe some of those boys would have gone last year. Um, but obviously it just suited their own lifestyles and stuff at the time to stay in Ireland because they couldn't go anywhere. But it remains to be seen. Obviously didn't go well from this year of course Dublin have still incredible football it's probably some of the best in the country still the, the likes of Fenton McCarthy um, Kenny, Kenny yeah and Con. obviously Con didn't have a great year this year but I think you know it's all we're all we're all hyping it up to be like the end and they're going nowhere we'll have to wait and see probably Desi will have to have a long look at himself think maybe what can we do differently does is is the background or the backroom, backroom team you know what he wanted, are they getting the best out of the players? Are the players happy? You know, but it's it's a, a tough job to have when you're you're trying to take over from Jim Gavin, possibly the best one of the best GA managers ever. Um and you're trying to put your stamp in it and sure everything you do is being compared to maybe one of the best managers I've ever had the game. So yeah. What's you know, Desi really is on hiding to nothing here. Um 
Dublin, of course, going to the All Ireland this year, next year. I mean, who, who's going to stop them? It remains to seen. We can talk about that again, but, um, you know, it was going to happen at some stage, and I think it was always going to happen with Desi Farrell as well. Uh, as you said, standards were always just going to drop a little bit, but they're still losing some of their best players. Uh, Mannion and McCaffrey not there either. They those lads could come back next year and should their game changers. They are, and they were two of the particularly of the sorest ones that left. To be honest, because both of what twenty eight years of age. Uh, McCaffrey obviously we all know his reasons behind it I um, can't argue with that the Mannion one is a bit of an odd one for me like he's already been away he's been away studying and he's been in China as well um, and obviously look he values his time outside of GA more than, more than he does but and it's it's so easy for us guys sitting on the sideline being able to sit and judge and make our assumptions but you're looking at this year you're sort of going the lads weren't start, are able to train till in March, start of April, and the season was always going to be over. Well, it's actually pushed out, obviously, another couple of weeks, but end of August. So you're sort of going four or five months, you know, could you stay in with it? And he has been shooting the lights out with croaks. Yeah. He's been absolutely killing it. So it's not like he's stopped playing football. He's still, still but, keeping himself razor sharp. But he's won everything with Dublin, I suppose, is his argument. What has he got to do? No, of What's course. he got to prove? Of course. Of course. It's of just course. obviously selfish from Dublin fans' perspective. They would love to have him in there because. He's an incredibly good forward. But I wouldn't be surprised if he came back next year. It really depends on a lot of things and where they are in their lives. But yeah, we, it's okay, Ross. It's okay. You can take, <laughs> you can take a year out. Give someone else a chance. <laughs> I don't have that much sympathy for you or Dublin in general. No, you didn't. So that would be a lovely snap of the two of us uh, after the Dublin Hill there again. Where I was rather happy and you weren't. Maybe we'll stick that up at some stage. Uh, the other semi-final... People were driving the hype out of Kerry. The Kerry hype machine was in full effect. Kerry were actually favourites for the All-Ireland before Dublin even got knocked out. That's how, how, how much people thought of them. They were then seven-point favourites against Tyrone. And they got turned over. And what happened, Nick? COVID. Oh, just stop. <laughs> just stop. Get off the stage. Ah, look, I mean, as, as Gary Brown even mentions himself, the intensity levels for the... Throne brought an extra level that Kerry never had. They played Cork and and Clare. So they had probably an easy enough run, similar to what Dublin have. Um, obviously, Tyrone got their matchups right. They got some of the best players off the, out of the game. Um, and what, what do you think? Tyrone brought another level to it, really. Like, I mean, it was just... Yeah, there, there's no one thing that won this game or, lo- or lost this game on the flip side, I think. Kerry were maybe slightly naive in their tactics. And this is hindsight. No one knew... We're great at this, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, fabulous. Uh, no one knew how what Tyrone side were going to come out because we didn't know... We were hearing there were 17 players and management down. With, so we didn't know how fit they'd be, who would actually be available on the day. But I suppose what, what someone was never going to change was their style of football. You know, they got absolutely hockeyed down in Kerry in the league. Conceded six goals. Were absolutely, the best thing that happened to them as well, to be Yeah. Saying. Bet out the gate. Kerry were fantastic that day. They really laid down a marker and people sort of thought this is going to be another procession. Kerry and Crow Park, you know, it's their, their second home. They love playing there. The wide open spaces, particularly the style of football they've been playing, loads of goals, loads of attacking. But like you highlighted, Tyrone got their matchups right, but Tyrone got their intensity spot on. Like if you look at all four teams that got to the semi-final, both games went to extra time. Um. I haven't done any science on it, but Kerry seemed to be going down with more cramp and fatigue than the other three teams. 
Kerry lads have to be replaced sooner than others. Um, and is that, and this is a question I ask because I, I simply don't know the answer, is that an intensity and training thing? Because you can replicate, you can do all the runs up hills and sprints and all that sort of stuff. But that intensity and training, you can't replicate that unless there's a bit of want and desire. And as I suppose Tommaso Shea highlighted on the Sunday game afterwards, there wasn't enough desire to track back from the, from the carry forwards. And that has been leveled against them before, and it's something they need to put right. I remember the Tipperary hurlers under Liam Sheedy. Before Liam Sheedy got a second rein in, that was mentioned to them again, and or sorry, it was leveled at them again. And the difference that made Liam Sheedy came in and he made the forwards work because the game had changed from Liam, Liam Sheedy was previously in. And you see Shamie Callan chasing into corners, blocking everything down. And I'm not saying the Kerry lads didn't work, I just think they didn't work as hard as Tyrone. And I think. Kerry's skill and football and ability they thought they would get them through and look it was a kick of a ball it was extra time one point there was mm-hmm. nothing in it like we're going on as if Kerry yeah. got beaten by 50 points uh, and didn't play well like they didn't get the goals that were come by but like what's plan B you know you have to know what Toronto are going to bring mm-hmm. they bring the same thing every time and it's always intensity it's always honesty and it's always a load of hard work and they'll never give up um and I just don't think Kerry matched that. And I think Kerry or Tyrone were very, very smart about it. They were very cute about it. I love how they went about their business. Um COVID aside, I mean actually on the day <laughs> <laughs> uh they were fantastic. But uh and to be honest, I think they deserve to win. A bit of a like they got their goals at the at, at crucial times, particularly the first goal. It looked like they were they were lagging behind a bit, and the next thing, McKenna's. By the way, McKenna's two goals were brilliant. Yeah. Uh, the size step particularly the first one, but in days gone by, Tyrone would have fist that over the bar. Petey Hart was going through, and I was fully expecting that's gone over the bar. Little fist over the bar, one hand pass, second hand pass. McKenna's in side steps goal, and you're just sort of going, oh, this is this is something different now. This is something we haven't traditionally seen from. It's usually, um, every kid has been coached keep the keep the scoreboard ticking over. Their goal wasn't really on, but then it was on. And the reason I say the goal wasn't on is because Conor McKenna was side by side with Peter Hart when Peter Hart got the ball in midfield. And he just burst his balls to get into the box. And the Kerry lads, they sort of half-tracked him mm-hmm. because no one was laying a hand on him bar the keeper when he was scoring the goal. Like you, you need to track your runners. That's basics, one-on-one. That's hard work and that's desire. So I think... Kerry weren't a million miles away, but it's, like I said with the Dublin thing, I think it's a few little things. There's no one thing you can point to, but mm. I'd be disappointed if I was a Kerry supporter looking at that going, lads, you need to track back. You need to put the put the arm in and uh, at least do something to stop his, stop the momentum. The bigger scheme of things, you're looking at this saying, this is a massive missed opportunity for Kerry and for Peter Keane and his management and all Kerry in general. I mean, this was the All-Ireland for them to win. Everyone was saying that they're the favourites. Dublin aren't at the, the level they were. No one really was giving Mayo any sort of chance in, in general since the start of the year, obviously, since Killian O'Connor was injured. Pat's plan wasn't anyway. If you Everyone saw that famous clip that's coming back now um, when he was talking to Cora Staunton about it. And obviously, Tyrone, yeah, good team, but it was their new management team. It, we didn't think it was going to be, you know, come together straight away, but they certainly had the potential maybe a couple of years' time to get in on All-Ireland. So, it's 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 um it's already happening now. The pressure is already on Peter Keane, and we mentioned already. Jacko looks like he's come back in there, but if you're Peter Keane, you must be kicking yourself after that match. 
Completely. And you would have thought that, particularly what happened last year against Cork, they wouldn't be caught short tactically again. Mm. It's just... He's just maybe not great tactically manage, manage, manager in general. Like Yeah, but like, okay, look, I know the book stops with him, but you look at Buckley who left him and has gone up to Monaghan. Like, he's, I'm not saying he's a defensive coach, but like he obviously highlights his defending is, is the strong side of his game. Peter Kane did exceptionally well. It was a kick of a ball for winning in All Ireland in 2019. Threw that away as well. You know, he, <laughs> well, yeah, I wasn't going to mention it, but <laughs> I think very, that was very much for the winning as well. Johnny Cooper was sent off with 30 minutes gone and you have 40 plus minutes to play against mm-hmm. 14 players and you don't take it home. I'm sorry, but that's a bit of an indictment on, on uh, well, on the overall, I'm not, not labelling on one person, but the team, management team, but who decides the tactics? There's a pattern here every season. That's the yeah. thing. Yeah. But who challenges? If Peter Keane says this is where we're going to go and it hasn't worked year on year, there needs to be people in there. And that could be management, mentors, coaches, players, senior players yeah. challenging this. Is this going to bring us forward? But having said that, they were hammering everyone on the way up, scoring mm-hmm. loads of goals. But it goes to show that they cut out Paddy Clifford and it all dried up. Mm-hmm. Like, let's be honest, David Clifford had an absolute stormer. He didn't play extra time and still scored eight points. He was yeah, absolutely was brilliant. Like, potentially man the match and still didn't play extra time. But you can't hang your hat on one or two players. Uh, O'Shea, unbelievably good uh, free kick taker, was maybe marked out of the game. I'd say he came off second best in the in All-Ireland final. Yeah, look, I know these guys are still young, but Kerry will see these as opportunities to win All-Irelands. 2019 and... 2021 were definitely opportunities I felt that Kerry and Kerry people will tell you the same mm-hmm. that could have been they could have been going for two out of three here yeah and look I'm sure we'll be th- talking about this again over the next few weeks joining us to preview our All-Ireland final we have players Gary Brennan Gary how are you good lads I'm good good to be with you thanks for the invite you're very welcome. Thanks for joining us. How are you keeping? Uh, I can't complain too much now. I'm back to school. We have a full week done and, uh, and another little bit of the second week started. So the the fatigue has set in in the students big time today. You could see the Monday, the Monday yeah. faces. Uh, but uh, no, it's good. It's good to be back and getting into routine. And uh, that word routine that we all use this time of year to make going back to school sound a bit easier. <laughs> You always know the uh, kids are back to school when the weather gets better. Anyway, up here it's it's uh, pretty fabulous. Yeah, we've a good week now. Uh, great for doing PE lessons outdoor and things like that. I think it might be breaking a bit this week, but uh, we'll we'll build away. There's no fear. We'll we'll keep going. Yeah, it's great to be able to get the kids outside as well for whatever. It's just I know a lot of exercise and stuff has been outside, but to put a bit of structure on it, like yourselves, I'd say it's it's handy out considering how many wet winters and summers and autumns we have anyway yeah well, we've had no choice with with the whole covid situation in schools now we've had to try and move everything outdoors as much as we could for PE lessons and things like that so um just very small bits indoors so we were very lucky really towards the end of last year the way the weather fell for us you often wouldn't get it for such a spell uh, as long as we did so hopefully we get another decent term now before midterm and uh we'll have all the outside work done Look at you, such a teacher, already talking about midterms. <laughs> we're all the same. <laughs> we're just planning to make sure we get all the learning intentions covered. Like, yeah. you know, we know. <laughs> Come here, Gary. Are you, uh, are you still playing a bit of club football and hurling yourself? 
Yeah, yeah. Kept going to the club. Now we're in the height of championship here. Uh, we've played two rounds of each. Um, it's kind of every second weekend here at the moment. We have third round of football championship this weekend ourselves on Saturday. And third round of hurling then is the following weekend. So the two groups will be finished at that stage. We'll know where we stand. Um, so, yeah, kept going with that. I, I got pretty bad ankle injury towards the end of last year. Um, we were playing the in the football championship. I tore a slight tear in a tendon in my ankle, the, or the back of my the back of my ankle, I suppose. So that kind of kept me out of action for, I suppose, really the guts of eight or nine months, which was the longest I had ever been out of uh, out of action. I'd never I'd been blessed that I'd never really had any long term injuries. So it was just a slow one. Needed to take it very very slow with it uh, and build it back up and get the strength back in the the ankle and the calf and all around it. Um, just kind of let the let the injury settle, let the fluid slowly go down. Um, so it's good to be back now. I, I feel like I'm, I suppose some guys have been training with months and it's it's late in the year. I still feel like I'm only getting going at this stage. But um, yeah, there's no there's no shortage of action around here at the moment. It could all be over very soon though. So Yeah, well, flat out week to week anyway. So uh, and how are you guys looking with the hurling of football? Are you hopefully going to qualify in both? Uh, we lost the first round of football and then won the last day kind of unexpectedly I suppose um, so we have a, a strange situation now on Saturday we're playing our, our near neighbours Liz Casey and if we win the game we'll top the group and if we lose the game we're in a relegation playoff so it's uh, <laughs> <Do or die. laughs> it's pretty up or down yeah yeah um, draw anything could happen I suppose um, and the hurling we've won our first two so we're in a pretty good position there. But, uh, yeah. Happy days, happy days. And obviously you made a bit of a, a comeback to uh, the Clare Footballers uh, at the end of uh, last year. We're glad to hear, mm. see you back. Uh, any chance of that happening again? Or is it definitely this time? <laughs> no, no. Look, I um, I suppose when I... I hated using that. I never wanted to use that word, retire. I just, yeah. like, uh, you retire from a job. You know, that's... Uh, and my wife always is the same here, like... That's something you do. You retire from a job. It's not, you know, playing for your county was a great privilege, and at the end of the day, it was a pastime. Like it was more than a pastime. But um, you know, I, I just, I really didn't want to use that whole retire word, and you know, I was kind of shying away from that, I suppose, to an extent. Um, so beginning of twenty nineteen, I decided I'd, I'd take some time away and see how I felt about it, and if I decided I wanted to go back, I'd have the opportunity to do so. Um, we had gotten married in December 2019, so we were actually planning to go away for the summer of 2020. Um, neither of us were, were both playing with the county since we were straight out of school and, and, and me, my wife, even before she left school. So uh, neither of us had ever really travelled um, and we planned to take, I think we had about six or seven weeks booked, uh, travel over around Asia and uh, see a bit of the world. And um, that was so out of kilter with the world order that COVID decided to come and uh, <laughs> put a stop to all that. So as it turned out then, um, you know, I was at home. I had played the club championship. That ankle injury uh, that I'd suffered, I didn't realise it was as bad as it was. So uh, I was talking to Colin Collins and, you know, back and forth and um, just said, look, I'd, I'd throw my hat in and, and do what I could for a few weeks uh, and see if we could have a crack off the Munster Championship at the time. Uh, Tipperary put a very quick stop to that so um, it was soon after that I realised how, how bad my ankle actually was and, and that really kept me out then until 
uh, until the middle of this year, as I say. So, um, look, no, it's it's definitely not on the agenda at the moment. I'm quite happy where I am, and uh, I don't think uh, I think that time is gone, and I'm, I'm delighted that it's all well this year. Um, had a very very strong league campaign, you know, and there's there was really a lot of different players that stood up at different stages, and I thought it was a very positive league campaign for Clare. The championship display obviously in Kerry wasn't what they'd have hoped for or wanted at all but um, overall I think they made a lot of gains through the year in their style of play and, and, and finding new players in, in positions and players standing up to when, when needed So that's key building that depth as well as making progress throughout mm-hmm. the leagues as well like it's like you not using yeah, the retirement there's, there's I, I hate using the word smaller counties or weaker counties but like particularly with a dual county like Clare um where it's almost pockets of pretty wrestler pockets of football around like being able to to make the progression that you guys have made and build a team and build uh, a style of football like it's 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 very obvious the way Claire have played the last six seven eight years that they're that you guys are were enjoying it like enjoying playing the style you play and the way mm. you play yeah well, I think it's very hard to do it if you're not enjoying it isn't it it's, you know it's, it's, you're putting so much time into it um and to be fair, I think we always just, we wanted to have a go. We wanted to have a cut-off teams um, and see how we measured up. And, you know, it worked at times. It, it didn't work other times. Um, I suppose I'd, I, I don't want to use the word regret because we always gave it everything we had, but we never really took one of those really big scalps. You know, we had a few opportunities at different stages, especially home games and the qualifiers where we didn't quite finish out games or see out games um so i think that's that's really the next stage for for clear football is to try and break break through that that little barrier that maybe seems to be there you know or maybe have been flirting around the top 12 top 10 teams and see can can clear football get into the push through the top 10 get into the top eight and, and, and try and compete at that level you know um as you say at times i suppose you can see that you could say there's a there's a small pool of players but you know I always say you need 15 go out in the field no matter how, what your pool of players is and, and you know there's five or six to come on and um, I've no doubt I always believe that there's enough footballers and players to be able to produce a very strong team and panel and, you know and thankfully there's good work going on underage now that seems to be underpinning a lot of that Is that barrier Division 1 football Gary maybe do Clare need to get into Division 1 to supposed to be playing these teams week in week out to supposed to stay at that top table yeah, I think obviously it would help. The higher the level you're playing at, or the, the more you're playing these, uh, you know, top teams, the the more I think you learn from them and improve. Um, and you know, again, as I say, we came close enough to that a couple of times, but it's it's I suppose just trying to consistently be at the highest level possible and see where that takes you. Um, you know, as long as I suppose player teams keep going out and, and performing with the same pride and intensity and effort that they have been doing, I don't think people will within the county will complain too much, but we'd all love to see if we can push up to Division 1 and and, and stay up there and compete up there, you know. Um, so as I say, it's that's all very much dependent on what goes on underage and schools and, and clubs all over the county. But um, there seems to be pretty good emphasis there at the moment. And uh, you'd just like to see that those players continue to develop. You know, we see a lot of them come through St. Flannan's and Ennis, um, mostly known as a hurling school, but we play... We play Munster A College as well. We compete in the Carnegie Um and have been, I suppose, 
competitive. Uh, again, a little bit like that. We're, we're trying to make a breakthrough and trying to get to a final, see if we can um, push on. You know, we've had some very good teams that have come close uh, in recent years, but, you know, you're competing. Those guys are competing every year against the top schools from Kerry and Cork, and, and, and they're seeing that they can compete with them. So I suppose the more we do of that, uh, the better. Yeah, it's breaking down those barriers and getting rid of the bit of, the bit of fear factor that, that uh, particularly younger lads might have. But look, great progress we made so far. I think uh, I think uh, it's not a million miles away, to be honest, Gary. But look, the reason we got you on is uh, to chat about uh, this weekend's All-Ireland Final. I suppose a quick word on the two uh, semi-finals. Obviously, the two uh, favourites, as people would have had them at the bookies, both got knocked out. Um, what did you think of the games? I suppose we'll start with Dublin and Mayo first. Yeah, I thought there were there were two very interesting games, um, but two two great spectacles. Firstly, uh, you know when you get to this stage of the competition, you want you want games that people will want to watch and, and will be engaged with. So there were great spectacles. There was a huge amount of mistakes actually. I thought in both games, uncharacteristic maybe for recent years of of this stage of the competition, but. That's probably what we've been crying out for for <laughs> a couple of years in that to see teams make mistakes and the excitement that brings. Um, you know, I suppose I often compare it to, to hurling because of the situation we have here. And people love these crazy hurling matches where the ball is going up and down the field and there seems to be no structure to it at times. <laughs> you know, I'm sure there is more than, than I can make out. But, um, so I suppose we got a, a bit of that um, with, with a huge amount of brilliant skills thrown in at different stages in both games. Uh, I suppose the Dublin game, again, both games are similar in that the Dublin game, you, you kind of felt beforehand Dublin would have enough at half time. You were saying, yeah, they'll have enough. And then the second half, Mayo just came with a completely, I won't say um, unexpected challenge, but a completely different intensity to what we had seen from them for the first 35. I mean, it looked for the first 35 like they were trying to play a containment game. Whether that was part of the plan, I don't know. Um, no, they did have opportunities in the first half for that gap to be a little bit closer. And I think it would actually have been interesting had they taken those opportunities. They might only have been two points down at half time. Would they have stayed with the same style they were playing? Or would they have... Mm-hmm gone for it the way they did so did it actually play into their hands to an extent that the, the gap was what it was and it forced them to come out and really have a go off it you know they had nothing to lose at that stage um, so I suppose while while unexpected to an extent um, you could see some cracks coming in the Dublin in the Dublin performances during the year um, I suppose I was probably thinking that they were aiming to peak at the later stages and, and were maybe improving and building as they went along. Um, but Mayo, just typical Mayo resilience and, and courage and bravery. And, and uh, just as I say, their younger guys again really stood up, uh, took the game to, uh, to Dublin, ran at them in ways that we haven't seen teams run at Dublin and, and, and brought it home, you know. So um, interesting now for them. They've had a long break. You know, had a chance to look at the other semi-final, but uh, probably an unusual situation for them too. You know, is that a hindrance or a help though having that long break from AOD think going into the final? Yeah, it all depends, I suppose. Um, on the one side, they've had a chance to recover. 
Uh, I'm not sure it will do much for their injuries, um, but they've had a chance to properly recover from that game and then maybe calm down after it because there was such yeah. a was hype after them having having taken out Dublin um, and get a chance to then kind of zero in on their preparation and and what they want to do for for uh, Tyrone now as it is. So I suppose they're going back to training last Tuesday night or last Monday night or whatever it is and they have their plan probably ready from the previous Saturday and they're ready to train from that Tuesday whereas Tyrone are probably going back early last week and maybe not really getting up to the pace of training until this weekend gone again you know um, so in that sense I suppose you'd say Mayo have had a, potentially an extra week to really prep for um, Tyrone but on the flip side of it that uh, four week gap Tyrone have had a game two weeks ago. They're in the rhythm. You know, it's like if Tyrone win, it'll be because they played two weeks ago. And if Mayo win, it'll be they had the gap and the chance to repair and to recover. You know, things usually are are viewed in in those sort of lights. But uh, yeah, it's it's always managed. The the win, the winners always write the script, don't they? They, That's That's always determined by by who wins. You mentioned uh, Mayo coming up with a plan with Tyrone. What did you think of the? The Kerry plan for Tyrone, um, given I suppose been a lot of talk around, everybody knew, and then obviously hindsight is great. Everyone spoke after the game about, oh, Tyrone were always going to come with this way of playing. Uh, were you very surprised at how Kerry reacted to that? Um, I suppose what Kerry had been doing all year uh, was throttling teams with their own intensity, you know, and choking teams in their own half of the pitch, not letting them out. Plus, they were scoring goals. Um, and number one, I suppose, the goals didn't work for them the last day. And number two, I think the level of aggression and intensity that Tyrone brought to the tackle was something that Kerry hadn't seen all year. Division One League Championship, definitely not. Um, and there was probably, you know, if I was, if I was a Kerry man, I'd probably been watching it saying, you know, there was a lot of tackles that were on the edge of being fouls, you know, and that hand was just pulled out in time or, um, you know, the, the ball just spilled in time so that it wouldn't be given as a free. So Tyrone really brought a physical edge, I think, that the Kerry... I'm not going to say they, they didn't look like they were expecting it because surely they were. Um, but I suppose what Kerry might not have foreseen is the way in which... Paddy Clifford, for example, was neutralised. And I think he was a key factor all year for them. You know, everyone was talking about David and, and Sean O'Shea, and rightly so, but Paddy Clifford was the link a lot of the time for me and was the guy that was getting the ball to those two. Um, and the fact that he had to spend so much of his time following Conor Myler back down the other end of the field, uh, I think was probably one of the things that they really didn't see coming. Um, but I mean, again, a bit, as you said, winners writing the script, like Kerry were so, so close coming out of that game. Like that shot from Kieran McGeary, if Jack Barry doesn't swing his leg at it, it bounces and goes wide. Kieran McGeary has had a crazy shot and maybe Kerry win it an extra time. You know, um, the margins at that stage, I suppose, are so, so fine that you know, I suppose a lot has been made of, of it was a very that it was a poor carry display and there's no doubt it wasn't what you'd 
maybe have expected or what they'd have wanted, I'm sure, for themselves. But it wasn't by any means a, a poorer performance, in my view. Yeah, and I would agree with you because the way people have sort of reacted afterwards is if it's an absolute travesty. Like, it was a one-point game after 90-plus minutes, nearly over 100 minutes of actual football. And like you said, a couple of mistakes, a bit of fatigue, whatever, a couple of decisions. But the way particularly Kerry folk are going on, it's like as if the world has caved in and it was a one-point defeat after, as I said, nearly 100 minutes. That, that is the Kerry mindset, I suppose. You know, I suppose if you're not winning the All-Ireland down there, forget about it. You know, and that's, <laughs> that is to credit them. That's why that's why they've been so good for so long, you know, because they don't accept uh, a brave performance in a semi-final, you know. Um, and, and that is what, what makes them so good. But, but I suppose in this instance... Uh, I think they were they were so so close, um, and and so much of what they did all year was was good, and Tyrone just found a way to neutralise enough of that to be able to to win the game. And I suppose onto the final. So, um, how do you see it going, particularly in relation to to matchups? Will James Horn have his homework done? Will he know where where the heat is going to come? Because if you look at even the kickouts that Niall Morgan got away the last day, a lot of them were long and contested in 50-50s and it was, it was dirty ball stuff and they actually lost an awful lot of yeah. their own their own kickouts. And Mayo are one of the teams that really put that press on very, very well. Yeah, I think there was, a, again, there was a lot made of Tyrone losing long kickouts. I think, if I'm not mistaken, their stat was something like 18 out of 26 that they won. So it's not... Um, you know, the last eight kickouts, which can be terrible, but I think they were happy enough to go to a certain uh, part of the field and say that if they lost the ball out there, Kerry still had a long way to come to score. Um, and they actually worked some excellent kickouts, very, very wide, uh, an extremely hard kickout to give right on the sideline. Um, Con Kilpatrick, in particular, noisy clubmate Niall Morgan's pulled very wide. And they found him a couple of times right on the sideline, stretching the carry, leaving the middle open, I suppose, was stretching carry to the full width of the pitch. Um, the ones they did lose, I felt, were predominantly more so straight down the middle, where they were looking. It looked to me as if they were just trying to get as much distance on it as they could and to, to compete on the breaks. Um, but as you say, Mayo are probably the best team in the country at, at pressing the kickout. So what will Tyrone do? Um, the matchups, the biggest matchup for me at the moment, as I look at it, and obviously I'm biased around the middle of the field, I'm looking at um, Mayo's scores during the year, and a, a huge proportion of their scores, even the first half, the last day, when things weren't going well from them, it was from midfield they were getting scores. And Matty Ruan um, is, is one of the, is obviously one of the main men in, in instigating that. So in the Galway comeback also. What was it, 1-2, I think, in the second half or mm. something like that and won the penalty. So what are Tyrone going to do with him? Uh, does Con Kilpatrick or Brian Kennedy pick him up? Do they decide to uh, bring out Conor McKenna to try and put Matty Ryan defending the other direction? Um, McKenna would certainly have the athleticism to follow him. They'd probably lose something from their attack then. it's. I think it's, it's going to be fascinating. This first 10 minutes... I think we'll all be so busy looking around to see who's following who or who's picking up who. It, it could be just absolute chaos. Um, 
so that's that's a very hard one to call but I've rambled there to go back to your question on the kickouts Mayo being the best um, I think from a drone perspective you would obviously then want to try and isolate um, Brian Kennedy or Con Kilpatrick or both away from Matty Ryan as much as you could um, and try and drag him to one side hit the other side you know it sounds very simple but they also have the option then of, of bringing McKenna as a deep runner maybe from the half forward in a late runner McShane if he starts you know um, or or you could see them looking to, to get everything away short you know it's just it's 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 very hard to, to would you, uh, you know, would, you, would you start McShane? It all depends on what you're seeing again in the last couple of weeks of training. Uh, to me, if he's, he, he probably hasn't looked as sharp and at his best, uh, even in the cameos he has made, and yet he's still having a very big impact. Um, so because of the, the style of player he is, the way he can hold up the ball, there'd be a huge temptation there for me. He'd just be such an outlet when you're in the middle of the field to be able to look up and give, I'm not going to say any type of ball, but he'll win a certain type of ball that maybe other players mightn't, um, mightn't be able to do. So there'd be a strong temptation in that for me, but if, you know, they'll know far better, obviously. If he doesn't have 70 in him, it's probably better to have him on for the last 30 than, than the first 30. Yeah, and it leaves him with an awful lot of options at the bench. Like as, as mm. you saw the last day, Derek Hanover coming on, a few other guys came on, made huge yeah. difference. Um, and I was listening to a, a, another uh, podcast as well that people sometimes would count the scores that your bench get and that would determine the impact. But with Tyrone, it doesn't seem to be that way. It's what you contribute to the overall team when you, when you come on. It's not necessarily, oh, our bench got 1-3 today versus the opposition bench got one point. It's overall contribution. Mm. And Tyrone... And actually, in fairness to Mayo as well, James Horn has emphasized that point as well, that it's overall contribution to the team. We don't measure on scores, which previously probably would have been reported. Probably it's more of a media thing maybe than anything else. Mm. Yeah, like, I suppose when the bench, when you empty the bench and there's one, five or six comes off the bench, well, then it's the impact of the bench, you know. But again, you have to look deeper at that. Did that happen because those players came on and made a brilliant impact or did your style of play change when you made the changes or, you know, whatever the case might be. This was the, the case in point this year that a lot of people were using was Dublin and I used it myself. They just didn't seem to be getting the same scores off the bench that that they had been doing. But um, you're right. I think, like, as I said, while the temptation is there, uh, it would be great to be able to turn around and say, right, Carl, let's go half an hour. <laughs> let's give us your best half an hour of the year here and, uh, Let's see, can you ruffle a few feathers in the in the Mayo defence? Because again, like, you know, Mayo defender, whoever it could be inside, it could be Lee Keegan, whoever they end up putting back on him, uh, has been running around for 50 minutes and then sees this fella coming on. Um, you know, not a great prospect, I think. No, absolutely not. And hopefully, you'd love to see every team, both sides at full tilt. You'd hope that Oshin Mullen, Mullen can make it back. He would be a huge uh, fill-up mm. if... Uh, if Mayo could get him back. Yeah, he's been... I saw him as far back as the National League game in, in Ennis this year when Mayo played Clare. Um, I was actually doing that game with TG Carter uh, and got man the match that day. But he... He obviously does his defensive job, which I always almost say that, taking it for granted the way I say it there. But like that's his number one job. But 
on top of that the energy he gives them going forward the drive he gives them he's huge to the way they play especially if they want to play that running game that that they played I suppose in the second half against Dublin um, it would be huge for you'd hate to see him miss out but I, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a, a tight a stretch for him to try and get there I suppose you know but obviously he'll, they'll do everything they can to get him playing yeah yeah, it's remarkable Mayo's run considering when Dermot O'Connor went down at the start of the year, people wrote written Mayo, Mayo off almost automatically because the amount of scores he gets for them and the leadership he brings, particularly in defending kickouts and various other aspects. But what James Horn has done is quite remarkable as regards introducing the amount of young lads uh, he has. And I, I would argue in the first his first stint, it was something that it was leveled against him that he was never really, he was always picking the same 15, 16, 17 lads. But this time around, he's really used the whole, the whole of the county, I would almost suggest. Big time. And and like, sometimes you look at Mayo and you're saying they have five or six of the same type of player. And where do they seem to get them all from? Like the, for a while there, they, they kept producing halfbacks. And you're saying, where are they getting all these wingbacks from? You know, uh, And they seem to be, producing a lot of these type of players now who can they're zippy kind of forwards they can play it a few different types of ways you know um but just as you said that it was really for me the bravery of those younger fellas was what won the day against dublin um just the way they took it on and, and ran at dublin and and took on the shoulder of the defender you know um where teams have become very cautious and and maybe tentative there was a real drive from Mayo in that second half and that's that's exactly what's going to be needed again um, I just think again one of the big things the the fact that both you know those younger guys have still experienced an All-Ireland final last year you know uh, maybe not one with all the hype of of what this year will bring with a crowd and, and all of that but uh, they've still experienced it um, I think that will stand to them a little bit a lot of the drone guys were there in 2018 as well, I know. So it's not that it's a difference maker, but uh, the fact that he has managed to bring all these new players through and be in two All-Ireland finals in a row, go down to Division 2, come back up from Division 2 and kind of go about it all so quietly, um, it's, it's hugely impressive. Very much so. And I suppose to flip to the water management side, Dogan, or Dogan and Lou, I was going to call them, <laughs> Dewar and Logan in their first season, this surely is beyond their, their expectations where they would have laid down their roadmap for uh, for where they want to go in, in year one. Is it though? I wonder. You know, would they have gotten here if if their expectations were any lower? Um, probably the outside view is, yeah, but you can well imagine, like, I don't know either of them, but I just know Brian Dewar from watching him play. And you can well imagine Brian Dewar going into those fellas and saying, we're going to win the All Ireland, you know, um, and and like by all accounts, um, the players are extremely satisfied with the setup, really enjoying it, um, and really thriving under this. Was they feel like they feel like they've been going in the right direction. Um, now, you know, did they see themselves going to extra time and beating Kerry after extra time to play Mayo in a final? I'm not going to say they saw that coming, but. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were if they were setting out their stall from very early in the year to say that they were going to get back to, to the big day. So go on, Gary. 
Give us your prediction. Is it going to be tight, loose? Is it going to be similar to the semifinals? Is it going to be end-to-end with mistakes? Or hopefully it's supposed to be a sunny day, we hope. So uh, give us your thoughts mm-hmm. on the overall final and how it's going to pan out. Yeah, sure. Calling it like one way or the other is, is I don't know how you could call it at this stage, but um, I think it'll be chaotic. I think it'll be um, a little bit frantic early on. Uh, as I say, I think that both teams will be trying to get the matchups that they want and and, and uh, get guys into the positions that they want them into. One thing about Mayo that we probably haven't mentioned is they're kind of playing in fits and starts all year. Um, that league game I mentioned against Clare, which is the first time I saw them in the flesh this year, they were totally on top, were out the gate, and then just kind of stopped playing. And Clare brought it back to three, four points, I think. They had done the same against Westmead. Uh, okay, so they, they took care of Leitrim and Sligo more convincingly. But again, against Galway, didn't play for the first half. Um, certainly didn't play it, sorry, I should say, to, to their level. And then came out with much better intensity in the second half. So, you know, it's very hard sometimes to reverse that trend uh, if, if, if it has been happening. So I wouldn't be surprised to see you know, a quiet spell for Mayo maybe for, for 10, 15 minutes um, and then them to come thundering back into it. Uh, but, look, I just hope we get... I don't mind if there's mistakes. Uh, I don't mind if there's balls fumbled here and there. I hope we get the two teams really going for it, really having a good cut off it. You know, they, they're both getting this... It's almost like a free shot with, with, with Dublin gone this year. Neither of them thought they'd be playing each other in the final. Um, both with so much to gain and, and quite a bit to lose. So I just hope that they they really go for it um, and, and try and play the attacking style that both have been trying to play this year um, as, as much as possible. So um, I, I'm not going to say <laughs> one way or the other because I like it's just... I, like any anything could actually happen in this match. That's uh, that is. I've never. I'd usually try and come down on one side or the other, but I, I just have not got a clue what will happen in this game. So there's no point in me pretending I would do. <laughs> Sitting firmly on the fence, Gary. Well, to be honest, I think most people are exactly the same. Um, there's not much in the difference uh, in anyone we've spoken to. Uh, thanks so much for your time. You're very good. One last question I do have for you though is, and it's one that I've been posing for a little while now is. As a Clare man, if you're sitting on the other side of the world and you have one song that reminds you of Clare, what is that song? Oh, one song that reminds you of Clare. Uh, there's, uh, I'm sure my lovely Rose of Clare is probably uh, a prime candidate. There's another, there's a newer one now, the Kilfmore Kelly Band actually wrote there around the time of the flat a few years ago. Clare, my heart, my home. Oh, yeah. uh, and I have an uncle who fan- fancies himself as a bit of a singer and he, he likes uh, belting that one out. So <laughs> that's kind of nudging in there now. It's probably, I can go for that one. Yeah, clear my that guy yourself now? <laughs> I don't think you want to hear that. Yeah. Else, so. <laughs> Gary Brennan, you've been great with your time. Thanks a million. Okay, cheers, lads. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Thanks. you. Thanks.